You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. We have a treat, okay? And we are in the middle of what you call School of Empowerment and School of Healing. It's actually a, um, it's a training camp for prophets. And uh, we have our very own senior prophet of our movement, Jim Lafoon, who is here uh, in Manila together with a couple more prophets who are training some of our pastors and leaders from all across the every nation uh, churches uh, in Asia and even uh, and beyond. One of the prophets that we have uh, training our our, our our pastors, happens to be our speaker for us this afternoon. How many of you know that when the prophet is in the house, God will speak? Amen. And, you know, an amazing thing really happened. And I want you all to be excited. Uh, open up your heart because I believe God's going to speak to us. There's going to be a tremendous word that will be poured out in this house. Uh, allow me to just give a short introduction to uh, Prophet Pastor Jane uh, Hammond. Uh, Jane is actually uh, the wife of Pastor Tom Hammond. If you remember, Pastor Tom was here last year ministering in our congregation here at the Akasha and also last Thursday in our worship night. Uh, both of them have been pastoring uh, the church uh, for 33 years in Santa Rosa, not Laguna, but Santa Rosa Beach, Florida. It's called uh, Vision Church. And they have been part of what uh, Dr. Bill Hammond has actually started as a ministry. Both of them extensively have traveled uh, around the world, over about 50 nations, uh, and sent out uh, prophetic teams outside to minister in a different parts of the world. Their, their passion really is not just to pastor. They are anointed pastors, but really they're prophets of God, and they're called by God to equip teams and raise up a lot of prophets in this hour. Okay, And so I believe that God... Uh, has a prophetic word for us. Uh, aside from that, they are happily uh, raising up three kids. Uh, well, they're grown already, uh, but they are now uh, having a brood of about seven uh, grandchildren. Okay, and so if you look at her, she doesn't look like she's a Lola already, but uh, she humbly says because of the energy and the passion that she has for the Lord. So why don't we all welcome right now with an alabang welcome? Let's all welcome Prophet Pastor Jane Hammond. Amen. If you wouldn't mind standing on your feet this afternoon, amen. It's such a privilege and an honor to be here with you today. I'm very excited. Um, my husband has always said wonderful, wonderful things about this congregation. So I'm so happy to be able to be here with you today. Um, you know, we are now halfway through this year. It's the year 2017. And at the very beginning of the year, the Lord really impressed me to uh, begin to read all the 17th chapters in the scriptures. It was just kind of an interesting assignment the Lord gave me. And you know what I discovered is that the number 17 throughout the word of God is actually tied to the concept of victory, triumph, and overcoming your enemies. How many here have some areas that you want to see some victory, some breakthrough, some triumph over some enemies? Um, you know, when I started reading in the book of Genesis, I saw that Abraham and Sarah overcame delay. They overcame uh, doubt. When God had given them a promise for a child, uh, it took them 25 years. But after they overcame some things, they birthed what God had called them to birth. How many of you feel like you've been delayed? 
delayed in some things and that it's time for those things to begin to come to pass. Amen. I am telling you, it's time to see victory in those long awaited times. How many, you know, I, I've heard the Lord say before that it was time for suddenlies. How many have figured out that suddenlies don't always happen suddenly? Have you figured that out? It's like you wait, 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 and then suddenly, okay? Well, that's kind of what happened to Abraham and Sarah. In Exodus chapter 17, Moses had led the children of Israel out of the promised land, out of Egypt, and they were going towards the promised land, and they were crossing the desert, and they encountered this group, this nomadic tribe, whose name was the Amalekites. And the Amalekite name actually means plunderer or robber. Come on, how many believe that God wants to give us victory over every spirit of robbery? Every time the enemy wants to come against us and rob, John 10, 10 says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. How many are glad that Jesus came to give us life more abundantly? Then in First Samuel chapter 17, we see David conquered Goliath. Come on, another victory. I just want to declare to you that God is going to enable you with the strength of God and the Davidic mantle that's on your life to rise up and begin to overthrow huge Goliath systems that want to oppose you in your faith, that want to push you back from progressing and moving on. And I just want to declare that this is a time that God has declared victory. Also at the beginning of the year, as I was praying and seeking the Lord, the Lord just kind of said, tell the people of God that this is a comeback year, a comeback year. You know what a comeback is? How many sports fans do we have here? Do y'all ever watch American football? No, not much, huh? But you watch American basketball, right? Okay, I did this in the first service today. How many uh, Warrior fans do we have? Steph Curry, Splash Brothers, come on, come on. Fans, how about Cav fans? LeBron, all right. Okay, sorry, Cav fans, you're way outnumbered here in the Philippines, okay? <laughs> but you know what? Last year, I mean, it was an amazing game the other night, but remember last year, the, uh, uh, there was a comeback. I think this should be payback for the comeback, right? <laughs> so a comeback is really when you fall behind and it seems absolutely impossible for you to catch up. And sometimes in our spiritual walk or maybe some of our natural circumstances that we encounter, we might feel like we fall way behind in our faith. We may feel like we fail at some things. We may feel like the enemy wins a victory over our life in some way. And it may feel like we can never get back to the point of destiny and the point where we can actually partner with the word when God says victory. But I'm telling you that this is not just a year to come back. This is a year to go ahead and enter in to a place of victory. Amen. Now here's a little clue. There is no victory without a battle. Everybody wants victory. Nobody wants the battle. Everybody wants a miracle. Nobody wants to need a miracle. How many know that in order to get miracles, we got to need miracles. Okay. So here's the definition of the word comeback, because here's what I do. You know, I listen to God. I seek God. I go to the word of God. And then I take what God says and I Google it. Okay. So here is the very spiritual definition of this word comeback. It means it is a regaining of success, fame, health, 
prosperity, and I like this next word, etc. How many want the etc. anointing? <laughs> Come on. It is, it means recovery, revival, resurgence. You see, I believe that this is a time when God is declaring it's a comeback for the nation of the Philippines. I know it seems like the enemy's been working a lot of chaos and instability, and it seems like the enemy's been gaining ground down in Mindanao, but I am telling you that God is declaring a comeback, not just to the people of God, but I believe there's a comeback coming for the nation of the Philippines as the people of God rise up and lay hold of this promise. Amen. There's a resurgence of God's divine purposes. It means to return to a former good position or condition after a loss. It is the act of making up for a deficit. All right. So I've got you standing for a reason. I know that y'all are wondering when I'm going to let you sit down. But here's what I believe. I believe that when we hear something like this from God, that we have to partner our faith together with it. And if God is declaring victory, then there is a sound of victory that God wants to bring out of his people that enables us to join heaven and earth together. You know, when Joshua walked around Jericho, God was listening for a sound. And when the people of God began to shout, heaven came down and shook the walls down. I believe some of you need some walls shaken down in your life today. Amen. And so we're going to shout. Now, let me just help you to understand, because some of you may never have shouted in church. You'll go to the sports arena and shout. But sometimes the people that shout the loudest at a basketball game come to church and are quiet. Okay. So let me just say, if you're embarrassed about shouting in church, just shut your eyes. Nobody will see you. Okay, so here's why we're going to shout. Scripture says we are to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. How many here have something to triumph about? Amen? And then the Scripture tells us what happens. It says that God arises amid shouts of praise. God has gone up with a shout. So in other words, when we shout, God stands up. How many want God standing up for you? Amen. And then the Bible says this, let God arise and his enemies. How does it end? Be scattered. Come on, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. So we are going to shout here in church. All right. Like we just had the most amazing comeback and won the most amazing game because scripture tells us, thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. So whether or not you feel like it, whether or not you even realize it, we've already won. Are you ready? On the count of three, we're going to release a shout of praise into the atmosphere and we are going to release the victory over your life. I'm declaring that fear's going to break off. Doubt's going to break off. The spirit of robbery is going to break off. The spirit of weariness is going to break off. Come on, the spirit of lack is going to break off and God is going to cause us to enter in to the fullness of victory. Are you ready? One, two, three. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Shout unto God woo, with a voice of praise. Let God arise. Let God arise. Let God arise. Ha! Let God arise. Yes. 
we're going to turn to one another and we're going to give each other a high five. Let me tell you why. Because when they said, when it says that they came out of Egypt, it says God brought them out with a high hand. Come here, Pastor Ariel. Here's what a high hand looks like. Okay. That was invented by God, not the NBA. Okay. All right. So I want you to turn to somebody and say, God has given us victory and give them a high five, a high hand of victory. <laughs> you know, when we hear God say something like it's going to be a comeback time or it's a time of great victory, it's always important for us to not just hear it in our mind, in our head, but we need to allow our heart to begin to come into faith agreement with what God has said. Otherwise, it goes in one ear and out the other ear. Okay, so we've got to join our head and our heart together to cause faith to begin to arise. And I really saw this and how practical that this really is in working out uh, our obedience um, with one of my grandchildren. Um, one of my grandchildren uh, is a five-year-old little boy named Aiden. And uh, Aiden is a sweet, sweet little guy, but sometimes he has a little bit of a problem listening to what his mommy says, okay? And so last year she was putting him to bed and he's, he has an older brother and a younger brother. And as she put Aiden to bed, she said, now, Aiden, listen, I'm going to go put Lucas to bed, but I need you to stay in your bed. Do you understand me? Yes, mommy, I understand. Okay, I don't want to get up and find you playing in the playroom with your toys. Do you understand? Yes, mommy, I understand. Okay. She goes off and puts Lucas to bed. She comes back 10 minutes later, and Aiden's in the toy room playing with his toys. She says, Aiden, didn't we talk about this? Yes, mommy. Didn't I tell you to stay in your bed? Yes, mommy. Then why are you in the toy room playing with your toys? He said, well, mommy, my head told me to stay in bed, but my heart told me to come play. How many believe if we don't get our head and our heart in agreement, we end up in trouble, right? Okay. So God wants to give us victory and triumph, not trouble. All right. Now I want to give you a scripture because I believe it really helps us to understand where your nation is right now and where we are as the church rising up in this season of time. It comes out of Isaiah chapter 60, starting in verse one. And it says, arise, shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Put your hand on your belly and say, God's glory is rising on me. I want to point out that the first two words in this verse, arise, shine, come from two Hebrew words, which literally mean wake up and be set on fire. Come on. God is saying to the church, wake up and be set on fire. Look at your neighbor and say, wake up <laughs> and be set on fire. Now, I don't know if you ever have heard of somebody that has had an angelic encounter. I very rarely uh, have a personal encounter with an angel. But a few years ago, I was in a hotel room and getting ready to get up and preach a meeting. And I happen to be one of those people that like to snuggle down under the covers and hit the snooze button after the alarm goes off. Anybody else here like me? Oh, the snoozers. Yes. I love it. You know, the last 10 minutes in bed is like the most comfortable 10 minutes. How many agree with me? I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Okay. Excellent. So I was snuggled under the covers and all of a sudden, 
I'm alone in this hotel room. All of a sudden, I feel a physical hand on my shoulder, and it shakes me really hard, and I hear an audible voice shout, wake up! Like, no, no joke, I'm not making this up. I sat up in bed. Now, you know, have you ever heard somebody say, oh, I saw this angel? Yeah, no, it was like, oh! I didn't see the angel, I just heard, wake up. And I sat straight up in the bed, and I said to the Lord, Lord, I thought I was awake, because I knew he was talking about being spiritually awake. And this is what the Lord said to me. He said, most of my church thinks they're awake, but they're hitting the snooze button, and they're still asleep. He said, you need to wake up so that you can wake them up. Today, I'm here to say, wake up. Amen? When I was a little girl, I had three brothers. I always got my own room. And uh, my dad would come in in the mornings. He would open up the door, and he would do that really loud whistle. Who here can do that whistle? That thing. Yeah, that sound. Even now, it makes me go, okay? And he would wake us up really, really loud. And then he would close the door and give me back my privacy, and then I would get back under the covers. And let me just say that if I fell back asleep, my dad, he was a little bit of a jokester, He would open the door and quietly come over to my bed, take the covers down, take my feet, and shake me upside down. How many know I learned to wake up to the sound (laughs) instead of to the shaking? All right? Well, the Lord is releasing a sound today over the nation of the Philippines. The Lord is releasing a sound over many nations today. And God is saying, I need my people to wake up to my prophetic sound, my prophetic call to prayer, my prophetic call that the harvest is ripe and the harvest is white. And if my people don't wake up to a sound, they will wake up to a shaking. How many would rather wake up to a sound? Okay. And so I believe that we're really currently in a season that is described in this verse. Arise, shine. For your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you, for darkness will cover the earth. How many know that's what's happening? That's what's happening in this nation. Darkness is trying to take over in this nation. It's trying to cause fear and chaos and instability. It's trying to affect you economically. It's trying to cause an an instability in the hearts of people. Darkness may cover the earth and deep darkness will cover the people, but the Lord will rise on you, Alabang, and his glory will be seen on you. Say on me. Then the nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. You see, Philippines is called to be a gateway nation where the glory of God doesn't just come down to you, but the glory of God goes through you and touches nations all over the world. You are called to be a missionary sending nation that causes the glory of God to touch the nations of the earth. And it only takes a little bit of light to drive out a whole lot of darkness. Amen? 
And God is going to do an amazing, amazing work. So when you see things happening like they're happening, understand that it is God's way of allowing the light of God to come down. And every place that you try, that you see darkness trying to encroach, I want to tell you that God's purpose and plan right now is Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 3. That God is calling his people to arise and shine and to begin to cause a driving out of darkness. Last year, when we were here in the Philippines, the Lord spoke to me and said that your nation is at a tipping point. Do you understand the concept of a tipping point? A tipping point is when, say, you have to pick up something that's very, very heavy, and you, you lift it up, you get under it, you lift it, and then you, you kind of shift and you push, and then you push it until a point when one of two things could happen. It could either tip back on you, or you push a little bit harder and it tips into the position you desire. You are in a tipping point right now. You're in a tipping point in your nation. Our nation is in a tipping point. And God is not looking at who your president is. I make a deal with you. We'll pray for your president if you'll pray for our president. I kind of feel like we're in the same boat, okay? Is that a good deal? I don't know which one of us gets the better end of that deal, okay? But let's just make a deal, okay? <laughs> but, but how many believe that in the midst of this situation, as God's people begin to rise up and begin to pray, we can actually cause the things that the enemy has meant against us for evil to be turned around for our good, and we can actually begin to see God's purposes begin to be seen in our lands, amen? A tipping point. A tipping point. Now, this goes back to several years ago when we were at a very crucial juncture in the earth and in, in our nation. I, I won't go back and rehash that, but we were in a time of prayer and I was walking back and forth and the Lord said, the nations are in a tipping point. The nations are in a tipping point. So I, I kind of shared this with my prayer group and there is a, a man in our prayer group that kind of takes the things that God says to me and he'll kind of break it down and, and put it into plain language for me. And I jokingly say, he speaks blonde to me. Okay. In America, we tell blonde jokes. Okay. I, I don't, do y'all know that? Do you know that we tell blonde jokes? Okay. I don't mind telling blonde jokes for two reasons. Number one, cause I know that I am not stupid. And number two, I know that I am not blonde. Okay. So, uh, you know, I can, I can tell the blonde jokes anyway. So he kind of he kind of breaks it down for me and makes it very simple. And that's how he explained this concept of tipping point. But I went and I looked up a definition. And here's a definition of the tipping point. It is the point at which something becomes irreversible or unstoppable. It occurs because momentum builds up often slowly and quietly until a point when it becomes impossible to go back to a previous state. We can't go backwards. We can only go forward. What's the name of your series? Forward. How are we going to change a nation? We're going to move forward. All right. We're going to move forward together and we're going to cause this thing to tip into righteousness. Now, if you think again about the picture of tipping something that's very, very heavy and you're up under it and you're pushing it, understand until you hit the tipping point, you are working against a force of gravity. Okay. And it's heavy and it's pressure filled and it seems impossible to overcome. But at the tipping point, when it begins to tip, 
Let me just say, everything that has worked against you now begins to work for you. And I'm declaring this to you as a nation, and I'm declaring this to you as a church, and I'm declaring this to you as an individual believer in the kingdom of God, that you're coming into a season where the things that have worked against you are now going to begin to work for you, and God is going to cause that which is impossible in the last season to become possible in the new season, because God is saying it's a tipping point moment that you've stepped into. We're in a tipping point. It's an exciting, exciting time. Now, Jesus brought a tipping point to all of history. When Jesus showed up, he changed everything. He changed history. He changed uh, the dynamics of governments. He changed cities. He changed nations. And everywhere his people went, they were boldly aggressive and possessing to see the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. Matthew chapter 11 verse 12 says it this way. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent do what? Take it by force. Now, I'm not talking about a natural violence uh, of tanks or guns or, or, or natural weapons, but I am talking about a spiritual violence that we make a determination in our heart. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to give up my righteousness. I am not going to quit. This is my hour. This is my time of victory. This is my time of breakthrough. This is my time of of seeing the purposes of God fulfilled in my life. The kingdom of heaven suffers fine. The uh, NIV says it this way. The kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. See, God, God wanted to see entire systems turned upside down. Jesus said it this way. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. The word prevail means they will not be stronger than. They will not be able to overthrow you. They will not be able to stop you or resist you. I will build my church and my church will prevail against the gates of hell. Keep this in your mind when you hear about terrorists in cities. Keep this in mind when you hear about terrorist events, not just in your nation, but other, other nations, that God has declared the gates of hell will not prevail. Let me tell you something. I've read the back of the book and we win. If you get nervous, jump to the end and read it again because we win every single time. Now, in order to facilitate this tipping point, I'm just going to give you a few keys, okay? Number one is that we've got to learn how to initiate the tipping point by lifting things through unified prayer. Do you realize that scripture says in Revelation chapter 5 verse 8 that there are golden bowls in heaven which are filled with incense, which are the prayers of the saints. How many of you have ever felt like you've prayed about something and then you didn't get an answer? You prayed about something more than once and you didn't see it happen. How many of you have ever been in that situation? Okay. Well, let me just help you to understand. When you're making a request, there are bowls that are in heaven. 
And as we pray, as we worship, as we decree, as we prophesy, those bowls begin to be filled up with that incense. And when the bowls become full, then God begins to tip things out and begin to bring an answer to us. Amen? James chapter 5 verse 8 says it this way, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The the Amplified says it this way, the earnest, heartfelt, continuous prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. It is dynamic in its working. Now, we had a a general in uh, in World War II. His name was George Patton, and uh, he had very, very colorful language, uh, but he was a conqueror. He was an overcomer, uh, but I had to actually search for a quote that I could read in church because he had some kind of salty language, okay? But listen to what he said. He said, those who pray do more for this world than those who fight. And if the world goes from bad to worse, it's because there are more battles than there are prayers. Wow. How many times do we fight every natural battle, and then when we run out of strength, we pray? What would start happening if the church would start praying first? Let's look at the way that the early church did it. Because I know that you're in a series called Forward, which is about discipleship. So let's look at how the early church employed this method of lifting through prayer and connection in order to see breakthrough. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So they gathered together. This week's lesson in your discipleship course is about church community. That's maybe not the whole message that I'm bringing you right now, but let me just say, we are not going to see the totality of victory that we need to see as the church all by ourselves. My father-in-law, Dr. Bill Hammond, who has been coming to this nation since the early 90s, he has a little saying that we always quote him in. And he says this, it is the banana that gets separated from the bunch that gets peeled and eaten. I know that's deep. Some of you have to think about that for a minute, okay? In other words, we cannot afford to be on our own. We cannot afford to be isolated or separated. We've got to do like the early church did and find victory discipleship groups. I mean, that's kind of what they described, right? To be a part of. Because whether you know this or not, your very life may depend on the connection that you have with your brothers and your sisters. There's a, a United States University that has actually a number of them that have done studies now on uh, how important social connection is. And let me just read you a couple of things because I think it's very important for us to understand, even from a secular scientific viewpoint, what they're saying about how important it is that we be connected to one another. 
they found that those who have strong relationships with their friends are 50% less likely to die early. Scientific data. Having low levels of social interaction was equivalent to being an alcoholic, was more harmful than not exercising, and was twice as harmful as obesity. How important is it? Somebody sent me an email last year that said, Lord, I pray this year you will give me a fat bank account and a skinny body. Lord, please don't get it mixed up like you did last year. Okay? A lack of social relationship was equivalent to smoking up to 15 cigarettes a day. If we don't have close friendships in our life, close relationships in our life, it's unhealthy for us. Social isolation is also a huge risk factor for the onset of major depression, which has more than doubled in prevalence over the past decade. And there's growing evidence that isolation increases vulnerability in various forms of addiction. So if you want breakthrough in some of those areas, let me just say, part of your breakthrough is going to come not just because you've got self-will and self-determination, but part of your breakthrough is going to come because of the person that's seated to your left and the person that's seated to your right. And as we connect together as a church, God brings us corporately into victory, and that corporate victory brings us into a time of individual victory. Amen? Have you ever just felt crummy and you come to church? And all of a sudden, the burden lifts off of you. There is an anointing in our corporate gathering. Find a group and get in it. It's part of being able to lift things through prayer. If it, the burden feels too heavy, you may not be connecting enough with other people to help you lift the burden. Amen? The second thing I want to say about this corporate anointing and about this anointing to shift things into breakthrough and into the tipping point is that we've got to understand that we've got to be able to shift things through the prophetic word, the prophetic voice of God. Now, in Psalms chapter 29, verse 4, it actually says, the voice of the Lord is powerful. When we come to church together, let me tell you, the word of God is going out as the worship team is singing. The word of God is going out when the pastor gets up and reads a scripture. The word of God is saturating the atmosphere. And whether it's a prophecy or whether it's the word of God going out, let me tell you this, is that the word of God, the voice of the Lord is powerful. And that word powerful is a Hebrew word, koach, which literally means the voice of the Lord is a force. And a force moves immovable objects out of the way. Let me tell you a little story about a lady that we prophesied to two years ago. She was a very broken individual. She'd gone through all kinds of horrific abuse in her life. And we were ministering to her, and as we prophesied over her, God talked to her about the healing of her heart, the healing of her mind. God began to talk to her about her future and her destiny, and we ministered the peace and the grace of God to this young woman. We didn't know anything about her background, but the Holy Spirit spoke to us, and God gave us words of life that helped her to move forward through the prophetic word, okay? Now, what we learned later on is that as we laid hands on her, we did not speak not one time of any God doing any physical healing in her life. But as we prophesied to her, the voice of the Lord was a force and an ear that was born 100% completely deaf opened up 
when the prophetic word came. We didn't pray for it. We didn't prophesy it. But what happened is that the anointing of God that was present in the room as we gathered was a force that opened up her deaf ear. That's the kind of God that we serve. Isaiah chapter 30 verse 31 says, the voice of the Lord will shatter the enemy. So as, uh, as, as the people of God, we've got to realize that we don't have to just wait for a prophet to come to get the voice, to hear the word of the Lord. As a matter of fact, Acts chapter 2 says, in the last days, how many believe we might be living in the last days? In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. The result will be your sons and your daughters will prophesy. How many here are a son? How many here are a daughter? How many here are a son? Okay, very good. All right. How many here are a daughter? Very good. Now I want you to all raise your hands and say, I will prophesy. Because understand that one of the ways that we move forward is by hearing God's voice. And prophecy is merely hearing what God says and saying what God says. When we gather together, we have the capacity to hear what God says, to see God's miracles, to hear the testimonies, and the word of God tells us we overcome by the word of our testimony. Second Chronicles 2020, when Jehoshaphat surrounded by all the enemies, God, a prophet speaks, and Jehoshaphat responds by saying, believe the Lord, and you will be established. Believe his prophets, and you will prosper. How many want to prosper? Then how do we move forward? We believe God's prophets, not just a prophet when they come, but we believe the prophetic voice of God that is inside of each one of us. Put your hand on your belly again and say, God's voice is in me. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. This word prosper in the Hebrew means you shall move forward. You shall advance. You shall break out. You shall break through. You shall become a success. You will become profitable and you will become prosperous. How do we do that? We start hearing the voice of God. Now, let me tell you something that the Lord said to me. Two years ago, 2015, I was walking and praying and the Lord said this. My church is now in a three-year period of time where I'm going to do signs, wonders, and miracles for them. I'm going to cause the impossible to become possible. And then he said, tell my church, tell my people that they come into the time called divine reversal. Divine reversal. God is going to turn the curse to a blessing for us. Come on. Do you realize that's what Jesus did? Everything Jesus demonstrated to us was turning the curse to a blessing. As a matter of fact, it says he became a curse for us to break the curse off of us. The scripture tells us the wages of sin is death. <laughs> but the reversal is the gift of God is life. God wanted to reverse death, so he gave us life. He wants to reverse sickness and give us health. He wants to reverse lack and, and poverty and give us blessing. Divine reversal. Now, as I was studying this out, the Lord had me in the story of Esther. And we know in the story of Esther, if you've ever read it, that there was a, a wicked, evil decree that was made against God's people. It was a decree of death and destruction. It was written by a man named Haman. Haman, not Haman. Because that's our name, okay? All right? 
Don't be like, I cast out the spirit of him. Don't do that, okay? And they wrote this evil decree, and it went like this. Wherever you see God's people, you can kill them and take your property. That's what it said. But you know what the king said to Esther? Esther, go write a different decree. Come on, write a decree and seal it with the king's ring because whatever you write in the king's name cannot be reversed. Come on, church, we need to quit lining up with what the devil says and we need to remember what Jesus has said and we need to write that down as a decree because whatever God has decreed cannot be reversed. So it says in Esther chapter 9, verse 1, on the day that the enemies of the Jews hoped to have power over them, the reverse occurred instead. And the Jews had power over those that hated them. I'm here to declare to you the curse is being turned to a blessing. I'm here to declare to you that even down in Malawi, the curse is going to be turned to a blessing because the curse of terrorism, the curse of fear is going to be turned around to the blessing of harvest, the blessing of hunger after God, the blessing of the fear of the Lord coming and causing an outbreak of harvest in that area. Amen. Do you believe that? The curse turned to a blessing. Now, let me just kind of personalize this, and then I'm going to pray for you. Because on the day that the Lord spoke this to me, my husband and I were getting excited. We were doing a happy dance. It wasn't a pretty sight. I won't do it here, okay? But I want to show you my family real quick, because it gets very personal. These are our seven beautiful grandchildren. I'm going to tell you a story about the little boy that's standing right by the baby. But I want to tell you about this other one right here that's standing in front of Papa T. That's what they call Tom, Papa T. Uh, that's JJ. And I like to say JJ is a world changer. And right now at three years old, he is changing the world one room at a time. Okay? All right. So anyway, I want to tell you about Lucas. Lucas was born with a rare genetic condition. And he has just far surpassed anything that the doctors have tried to say over his life. Um, but when he was uh, about two years old, he was diagnosed with a severe compression on his brain that was going to involve brain surgery to release the compression. But he was too small to do the surgery, so the doctor said, we need to wait to do that surgery. While we wait, though, he said, there's many things that could go wrong. And one of the things he listed was that uh, because of the place where the brain was being pressed, that Lucas could actually lose the use of one of his arms or legs, and that if that happened, the damage would be permanent. It would be irreversible. Well, I want you to know that on the day that God spoke to me and said, divine reversal, after we got done celebrating what God was saying, a couple hours later, my son called me and he said, Mom, when Lucas got out of bed this morning, he had lost the use of his left leg. And the doctor said, the damage is irreversible. And I said, what did you say? He said, the damage would be irreversible. And we had a word from God that said divine reversal. So we took that prophetic word and we began to shift things. We began to push in the spirit. We laid hands on him. We began to decree what God said over what the doctor said. We began to decree what God said over the circumstance that looked impossible. And I want you to know something. The first day, nothing changed. The second day, things got worse. 
How many have ever figured out that sometimes it gets worse before it gets better? But the third day, Lucas jumped out of bed. His leg was completely healed, and he began running around the house completely restored. It's a time for divine reversal. Since that time, we've seen blind eyes open. We've seen deaf ears here. We've seen literally a couple that we know. They were married, and they hated each other. They decided to get a divorce. It was a horrible public mess. As they were going through this, they were both in ministry. And we prayed, and the Lord confirmed words about divine reversal. And they were sitting at the divorce table in the, the judge's chambers, getting ready to sign that divorce decree. They looked across the table at each other, fell madly in love with each other again, tore up the divorce papers, and now they're having a family, and they're romantically in love, and sharing that love with everybody. Just, you know, come on, God is turning things around. We've seen prodigal children come home. We've seen legal situations turn around. We've seen barren rooms open. We've seen impossible things become possible because God has decreed divine reversal. Esther chapter 9 verse 1 is the beginning of a chapter. That speaks about a celebration that the Jewish people have called Purim. And Purim is called the holiday of reversals. And I'm telling you, it says on that day, your sorrow will be turned into joy. Your mourning will be turned into dancing. Come on, all the suffering you've gone through is going to turn around and serve you because God is going to bring a reversal. So I want you to stand to your feet and I want to pray for you because I believe that as we're pushing things in prayer, we take the prophetic word and then corporately sometimes what we have to do is we've got to push until that thing tips. Now, I want us to do something you may not be comfortable with this, but if you don't mind for just a moment, reach over and take your neighbor's hand. And we are going to do this just as a prophetic act saying, God, I am not going to stand alone. God, I need my brother and I need my sister. I need my church family to help me break through. And so we're going to pray. I'm going to pray for you. And whatever area of the miraculous you need right now, I'm telling you that God is going to do that. And so, Father, right now, I just decree over my brothers and my sisters, just pray for the person on your left, pray for the person on your right. Lord, we pray for one another. We strengthen one another. We pray right now, God, that whatever thing they need turned around in their life, whether it's something physical, something financial, something spiritual, whether they need a turnaround in their family, whether they need a turnaround in their business or their ministry, Lord, we decree that right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you, Father God, that this is a season of reversal. This is a season of breakthrough and that this is a time of victory in Jesus' name. And the people of God said, amen. I want to pray for one more, one more group of people. If there's anybody here, and I don't, I don't mean to embarrass you, but if there's anybody here that, that you are having a heart, you're married and you're having a hard time conceiving a baby. I really believe that the Lord said to me earlier that God's going to break off your sorrow and turn your mourning into dancing. We've seen so many couples in the last couple of years have their barren wombs opened. And if that's you, if you don't mind, just lift your hand. You don't have to lift it long. I just want to see where you're at. Okay. Several people. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Let's just agree together 
again. Amen. Father, we just agree that this is such a season of divine reversal. And Lord, I've seen you do it with so many different ones that we've prayed for recently. God, we break the yoke of grief off of every individual, off the families right now. God, off the husbands and the wives. And Lord, we decree that every place of barrenness, Lord, is being opened up now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we decree that the barren wombs are going to begin to cause fruitfulness to come forth, Lord, and even a double portion of blessing in Jesus mighty name can we give the Lord one more shout for the blessing of divine reversal today in Jesus name Amen.